And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to No Buts, the show for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Network. I'm Tass Mellis. With me, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. Hello, JD. Happy birthday, Tassie. Oh, forgot about that. Thanks, JD. <laughs> I appreciate that. Very much appreciated. We are here on a Monday because I want to do a show on my birthday. No, we're here because even though we usually do a show later on in the week about baseball, I couldn't wait with what happened this weekend in MLB, Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended for 80 games because he took an anabolic steroid. We'll get to that. I put out the top five teams that I wanted people to cheer for the rest of the season. I got a lot of flack back for that. And we will have one of those people who gave me a lot of flack on this very show a little bit later on. But we have to start with the Tatis news and to break it all down, we've got on Dennis Lynn of The Athletic, Padres beat writer, to talk about it. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. You've written about it uh, the last few days on The Athletic. He was suspended 80 games for taking Ball, which, as I mentioned, is a PED, a steroid. Initially, he said he took it to treat ringworm, a skin infection. We've had a few days uh, since he initially said that. Can we now debunk that as complete BS. Is that where we are now, Dennis? Well, that is the, I think, prevailing reaction across <laughs> baseball, across sports to uh, to the statement he put out so far. Now, we haven't heard directly in public um, from Fernando himself. Um, there's no clear indication of when exactly he's going to talk and expound upon maybe his explanation. Um, but Right now, it just does sound far-fetched that, you know, he he took this uh, steroid accidentally to treat a case of ringworm, which you don't often hear about either with uh, professional millionaire athletes. Um, but that is his story so far. Uh, the Padres did not seem to respond very um, supportively to that. They said they they, they support, you know, MLB's enforcement of the PED policy. So as of right now, uh, I think Fernando has a lot to prove. Yeah, as far as enforcing the PED policy, uh, is it standard practice for a player to, to be suspended 80 games, which sounds like a lot to me initially, but then thinking about it, it's half a season. Is that the standard practice for MLB? Yeah, that is standard for a first-time violator, 80 games. Uh, he said in his statement that he initially appealed, uh, which will lead you to assume that this positive test that he returned came um came maybe a few weeks ago at least uh, and he apparently didn't tell the potters because until friday night of last week uh or friday afternoon they, they weren't aware of this so i think that's where um aj preller potters gm is talking about a breach of trust with uh, his franchise player and that's you know obviously part of why they're so upset with them um, but 80 games is the standard for a first time violation of the ped policy yes yeah as you said there there seems to be a 
a major gap between these two parties, the front office, the entire organization entities in terms of how they feel about each other at this point, which is odd to hear Preller come out, uh, AJ Preller come out and talk and say, yeah, we we honestly, there's a lack of trust between the two parties. So for the uninitiated, why hasn't Fernando Tatis Jr. played this season? Give us the background. Well, number one, we go back to uh, December. Um, MLB lockout had just started. He's in Dominican Republic at home. And suddenly reports of a uh, you know, motorcycle accident start coming out. Um, yeah, first he downplays it. His father, Fernando Tatis Sr., who I think you all know, uh, hit two grand slams off Channel Park uh, <laughs> in one inning at Dodger Stadium. Um, yes. They both kind of denied that it was anything serious. The, the lockout was going on. So Padres had to reach out through third parties. They couldn't have direct communication with players, including Fernando. Uh, they came away satisfied, apparently, at the time that wasn't anything minor, uh, major, even though, you know, riding motorcycles uh, are, you know, it's pretty much a violation of any standard contract in sports, especially a, a contract of, you know, $340 million for Fernando. But uh, that that happened. And then, you know, the lockout goes on. Uh, there's some, you know, grainy images on the internet of Fernando wearing a brace on his wrist. And I think the Padres have reached out through, you know, third parties again to make sure everything is okay. Sounded like it was, and, you know, he wasn't experiencing great pain. And then the lockout lifts in February, and he uh, reports to Peoria, Arizona, the side of the Pottery Spring Training Complex. And they do some tests and scans, and uh, he had been complaining, I guess, of some uh, wrist pain as he ramped up his activity to spring training. And turns out he has a fracture in there, a scaphoid fracture, um, probably the, the worst bone he can break in there, the most complicated bone he can break in there. And it doesn't really manifest that kind of a uh, break uh, in a lot of cases, a lot of patients until, you know, kind of, kind of when they start, um, you know, ramping up activity. So it'd been basically three months until that time, you know, from the time of the initial motorcycle accident to then. And they found out he was going to be up for, you know, at least three months. And, you know, it's been kind of a slow recovery process since the surgery he had in March. And, and then somewhere along the way, you know, he gets busted for this uh, PED and that kind of you know tells the entire story. They've been waiting for him this entire time to come back and provide a huge boost to the team. And right now they know for sure that he won't be back until next season. Right. So the 80 games covers the rest of the regular season and the playoffs potentially if they are there. I, just to go back, as, as you said, motorcycle accident this past offseason. Then the PEDs on Friday – GM Preller kind of left it open, as you wrote about on The Athletic, that the possibility of re-examining the circumstances of that motorcycle accident are still on the table. So I, I wanted to know, is, is there any possibility of voiding some of this monstrous contract of the 14340 that he received? Is that on the table whatsoever? I don't think it's completely off the table. I think the general consensus right now is uh, it seems unlikely if they wanted to pursue that action. Probably the off season or March would have been the time to do that. Um, I think there's a big question of whether they could have even proven uh, that the motorcycle accident was the direct cause of the injury, uh, that the fracture in his his wrist uh, back then. So, you know, proving it probably would have been harder back then. It's probably harder even now, uh, all these months later. Um, but just, you know, the, the visuals of this, the optics of this are, are obviously really bad. So they've got to say they're going to do their due diligence and go back and uh, look at, you know, what exactly transpired back then. If they haven't already, I'm sure they've done some research. But 
you know, this latest episode obviously brings up, you know, what exactly he's been up to this entire year. Uh, you know, he's obviously been on the aisle the entire year, so he's not been with the team every step of the way. But uh, I think there's just a question of, you know, how, how irresponsibly did he act? Um, I think the actual uh, act of voiding the contract, that does, like I said, still seem unlikely at this point. Um, I think, you know, his, his agent, Dan Lozano, is a very well-known agent in sports, and they want to go down that road and try to test uh, that option. I think that that might open a can of worms they don't want to open. Um, but at the same time, uh, when something like this happens, you have to ask a lot of questions. I think the Padres are still in the process of uh, doing a lot of digging. Yeah, I would think because of the relationships, they are just going to try and rehabilitate this relationship with Fernando Tatis. Uh, but you do bring up uh, with everything you wrote and, and now here about this gap in communication that he just started his rehab recently, right? He just started communicating with the team about his rehab only over the last month. Is that correct? Well, he just started a rehab assignment or he had been on one until this came out. And um, kind of funnily, he just uh, kind of left uh, the affiliate he had been rehabbing at in Texas uh, without telling anyone there, apparently flying back to San Diego, probably knowing that this suspension was coming down. So, um, that doesn't look great either, but he has been around the team uh, pretty much the entire season rehabbing, just you know, not playing games until this past week or minor league games just to uh, get back. But um, yeah, they, they have been around you know, Tatis you know, most of this time. Uh, he's been swinging the bat for a while. Uh, that was kind of the biggest question, how he's going to come back. But they're also back in June. Um, some, some fans who saw him at Peckle Park swing before he should have been swinging a bat so that kind of speaks to uh, maybe a player going a little bit rogue here, and the team was a little caught off guard by that. So kind of along the way, even though they've been around him this entire season, there have been uh, you know some questions about whether he's been sticking to his prescribed plan of uh, you know rehabbing and you know following every step of the doctor's orders. So right now they're um, you know he's back in San Diego. The team's going to play a series in Miami, and then they're going to go back going to go back to San Diego. Excuse me, and. That's going to be, uh, I'm sure, maybe a little bit of a circus to see uh, whether he talks then or, you know, stands up in front of the team and offers his explanation of events. And he had that motorcycle accident in the offseason, as you said. Is it true, am I, am I sort of forging this in my mind, that he was asked about the motorcycle accident and he said, which one? That did happen. Uh, I was there, uh, you know, on the back patio of the Peoria Sports Complex when he uh, gave that little press conference. Um, I think there's some uh, lack lack of clarity there, I think, in, you know, some circles about what exactly he was referring to. Uh, he did not deny that, you know, there had been you know, an accident involving some kind of motor vehicle. And uh, But I think when he said which one, he actually meant, uh, you know, he had also mentioned that he had you know, maybe had a fall in the field, just, you know, taking grounders or something like that. And by saying which one, I think a lot of uh, outlets uh, glommed onto that as like which motorcycle accident went. I think his version is probably there's only one. And then, you know, maybe he slipped and fell while he was doing some workouts on the field one day. Um, but again, that's not entirely clear either. I think a lot of these you know, old events are going to have to be dredged up and Re-examined as uh, as the Padres try to determine exactly what happened back then, but maybe that's something we'll never know at this point. Uh, one question about him appealing and then retracting that appeal of the suspension. Why do you think he did that, Dennis? Well, it appears. Uh, I mean, if he felt strongly enough about this ringworm story to you know release it in a statement to the rest of the world, uh, maybe he thought. 
maybe he does believe the story or he is, you know, determined to stick with it. And he was hoping that, you know, he could say I accidentally ingested something, which I think, you know, tons of PED offenders, uh, we've heard that story uh, pretty much every time that I didn't mean to put this in my body and should have been more diligent. And maybe he was hoping that he would get some leeway there, knowing that you know, he's one of the faces of the game and baseball really needs him to, to, to be a face of the game on the field, uh, kind of, you know, untainted to, to really thrive. So maybe he thought maybe there'd be some forgiveness there, but uh, I, I guess, you know, there really wasn't there. So he backed off that option. And I think another question is when exactly this, did this happen? Like when did this feel happen? When did he get hit with the uh, positive test? Um, but he did uh, think uh, that it was worth going down that route apparently. So right now it's uh, also, you know, a big, big question in everyone's mind, you know, when exactly did this all start this whole process? One of the faces of the game met one of the faces of the NBA world. Once upon a time, he met uh, Damian Lillard. You wrote a story about that. Can you uh, expound on Tatis meeting Damian Lillard and that whole story? Well, I think this just goes to show uh, what a what a big superstar, a you know, crossover superstar, oh, Tatis is. Uh, you know, baseball. He's obviously one of the most recognizable names out there, but you know, he's. Again, he's he's been good for this game up until this point. Um, just just the marketability he has, the charisma he has, and he uh, grew up playing, I think, volleyball and basketball in DR. Uh, probably could have been good enough to go pro uh, in some country. And you know, either of those sports, he's just an incredible athlete, incredible talent. Um, but he's always been a big NBA fan, and he's also uh, speaking of marketability, he's endorsed by or sponsored by Adidas, uh, which you know also happens to you know sponsor Damian Lillard and. I think their shoe rep connected them a couple years ago and he went up there to uh you know sign his big contract fernando did and up to uh, you know uh, portland oregon and along the way they uh he went to a nba game and their uh yeah their shoe rep introduced the two of them and i think they struck up a friendship from there but you know he's he's developed quite a few friendships across uh you know major sports not only in baseball but in other sports like basketball so uh, it was, uh, it's kind of a shame to see a guy who's, you know, so young, so likable, so marketable, um, so well connected in the sports world have to uh, deal with all this at this point. Although you could say, you know, that's obviously, you know, his, uh, his own choosing, his own responsibility that he's in, in the situation right now. But he and Damian Lillard, I think, have, uh, you know, kept in contact over the years. So right now it's, uh, kind of a shame that, you know, Damian Lillard's been a guy who's, you know, conducting himself by all accounts really well after he signed a huge contract, a couple of huge contracts. And, you know, Fernando Tatis is only two years into his huge contract. And right now, um, you know, he's kind of been tarnished by the stain of this uh, this whole episode. Yeah, you can see the connection there. Tatis, a few years here with the Padres. Damian Lillard, a lifer with the Portland Trail Blazers. Obviously, Tatis signed that 14-year, $340 million deal, the longest deal in MLB history then. With the hopes of being a lifer like Damian Lillard and uh, that connection, yeah, it seems to make sense. So I enjoyed reading that piece of yours uh, on The Athletic. Uh, I'm going to take you off your Padres beat here for a sec because Juan Soto, who was traded from the Nationals to the Padres and was supposed to be part of the the big three with Manny Machado and uh, Fernando Tatis this season, uh, he went back to the Nationals park this weekend. He went back to play Washington. I was a little confused. Please, please. Please uh, just give me any sort of background on why the heck Juan Soto was cheered and and given the ovation the way he was when he went back uh, to Washington this weekend after he declined nearly a half billion dollars with the Nats and they end up trading him to San Diego. 
Yeah, and I think to your point, I think he was a little, maybe, I don't know if apprehensive was the right word, but just kind of curious to see what the reception for him was going to be, especially going so back so soon after the trade. It was only 10 days since he'd been traded um, before they returned for that series in D.C. And I think um, if you ask fans in D.C. Uh, just how much he's meant to that franchise over the past four years or so, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he helped them deliver, uh, deliver the World Series title to the city as right. a I think he's a really young kid, and he did everything um, anyone could ask of a guy uh, who'd been around for those four years. Uh, so I think there's some understanding that, you know, the average annual value, I know this maybe goes over some people's head, but average annual value of what the, the Nationals offered him to stay in town is only less than $30 million. You see some of these big contracts out there these days in free agency, and he's only 23, so... When he gets to free agency, he's only going to be 26, assuming he wants to get there. And I think, yeah, everyone knows who his agent Scott Boris is. So probably a good chance he tests that avenue eventually. But under $30 million for a year uh, over you know that many years. And you know there's ownership questions about the Nats, uh, who they're about to be sold to. And right now they're the worst team in baseball. Just a couple of years after one, they won a title, I think it's understandable a lot of these fans' parts that they would you know understand themselves that you know he doesn't want to lock himself into – some kind of situation where he doesn't know exactly what the future is going to be and maybe where he can get a lot more money um, elsewhere. So I think they, they kind of realized that and recognized that and just wanted to focus on the good parts of what he gave them over the past four years. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting contrast right now between him and Tatis. So though, you know, the Tatis story kind of shows you that no one's infallible and anything can happen to anybody who's as esteemed as, you know, as admired as Tatis was. Uh, but, you know, Soto, same age as Tatis has conducted himself really well in public, you know, to this point. And I think all those things combined with his production, his staying on the field for the most part, his winning a title, uh, his kind of being the best hitter in baseball, especially that age. Um, I think that the fans were inclined to give him some leeway there. Yeah. I tuned into Apple TV plus to watch that, to see uh, the, uh, the Washington nationals and how they would react because it was such a big story. These, these last couple months. Um, but yeah, they embraced their star. The average annual value, as you said, uh, was a little bit low, and I appreciate you, you know, using the the full term because I haven't bothered to look up AAV as everybody references it. But uh, it sure makes sense that uh, Juan Soto would turn it down uh, with his super agent uh, being able to go get him more money with uh, the Padres, uh, who you cover on The Athletic, and we will continue to read you there. Dennis, thank you uh, so much for taking the time before you uh, catch your flight. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you, Tess. Happy birthday. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dennis. All right, after the break, we will get to the list that I came out with last weekend. The five teams that people should be cheering for, the Padres on that list. Uh, but yeah, there are some angry people. There are some angry fans out there. And we will have a no buns fan come on to tell me why I'm an idiot, why I was wrong to make that list the way I did. Stay tuned. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back to No Bunts. On last week's show, I ranked the top five teams that people should cheer for the rest of the 2022 season. There are a lot of casuals like me asking, who should I cheer for? What team out there should I ride with the rest of the season? My rankings from five to one, the Mariners, the Mets, the Padres, the Blue Jays, and the Braves. No real front runners, no favorites. A lot of good teams in there. Obviously, I'm picking teams that could potentially make the playoffs. And I was really, really happy about that leaving the Classic Factory because that night, that very night, the Braves, the number one team on that list, they called up a man by the name of Vaughn Grissom. Is that a baseball name or what? Vaughn Grissom. They called him up and he started batting ninth in Fenway Park that night. And in his first game, the 21-year-old, he ripped a shot over the green monster and flipped that bat like he had done it a hundred times in his first game. The 21-year-old had his family there. It was an incredible moment for Vaughn, incredible moment for his family, obviously. That just doesn't happen. A 21-year-old comes into Fenway Park, blasts a ball 412 feet into the night. It was a booming shot, uh, a real, real cool moment. The bat flip on his first home run, it just is everything that's right in baseball. People extremely excited, obviously, uh, for the Atlanta Braves. I'm starting to get really, really pumped for the Braves because not only did he have that booming shot, but he looked like a vet that night and then throughout the weekend. He had a steal that night. He had a second hit that night. Uh, he looks very, very good. He's guys stealing bases. It just, it just feels like baseball to me. So I was very pumped about my number one team on the list, the Atlanta Braves. Um, uh, throughout the entire week, I was extremely pumped. Now, um, actually after that, I think we also have the clip JD of the entire team looking at the home run, just a real feel good moment for Vaughn Grissom, <laughs> seeing that blast. Uh, Grissom is now the third youngest player in the majors. One of the other two is his teammate, Michael Harris II. Uh, so, uh, you know, you got to cheer for young guys. I'm starting to believe in this Braves team. We will get to all of that. Um, I am just pretty pumped about my list. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm doing pretty good here. Uh, but, 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 there were some haters out there on Twitter getting extremely mad. And I welcome that. I welcome the discussion and the argument. So one of those people who were very mad is Brady, a no Bunts fan and a no Dunks fan, a Baltimore Orioles fanatic. I think if you, uh, if I'm correct here, Brady, you said a slightly delusional Baltimore sports fan. Very slightly delusional. I mean, I've got some very strong opinions about the team well, and about where they should be on the list. All right, all right. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on. So we got Brady here to tell me why I'm wrong. Now, I gotta give, let's, let's give a little recap what the Orioles did at the trade deadline, just so people know out there what's going on with this team. There were two games above 500 at the trade deadline. You know, a bit surprising for this team. That wasn't necessarily a, a favorite coming into this season. At the deadline, they traded for veteran outfielder Brett Phillips, which was a bit odd because their other moves were getting rid of Jorge Lopez, their all-star closer, 
who had two and a half years left on uh, of control left with the team, and then career Oriole Trey Mancini uh, for two pitching prospects. Lopez also went for two pitching prospects. So four prospects and then Brett Phillips. Um, that's what they did. That's what they did, Brady, just to let everybody know. But why do you think? Why do you think? Just summarize. Why do you think the Orioles should be on this list? I... I... I want to. I want to start first. Yeah. Um, it, it's a hard. It's a hard part to do with the trade in line because the whole thing was that there were a lot of narratives that we were like selling it all off at the trade deadline, which was was not the whole thing. Trey Mancini, as much as I love the guy, and I mean he has been here for what? God, it feels like seven, eight years or yeah, something like that. A lifer and, with um, the Orioles. And but he really didn't have a spot. I mean, you've got guys like you got guys like Ryan Mountcastle who when he's when he's on, he's crushing the ball. I mean, he's sending it over the uh we call it mount baltimore over there with the new the brand new 25 foot wall or whatever but um and jorge lopez just had a a a little bit of like a and uh i don't even know how to describe it it's like anytime he would blow a save which which didn't was 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 uh infrequent but anytime it did happen it took him a little bit to to kind of get back in the rhythm and i mean we're seeing it with minnesota now i mean what is he three appearances two blown saves and he's just not quite yeah. there he was he was having um, a a pretty unique year for himself yeah 1.68 era before that like a six era he is obviously yeah. having a special special season for himself but they did get rid of their closer, of their all-star closer. Go on, go on. Yep, yep. No, but then, then we replace him with a with a guy who's a just a physical unit in Felix Bautista, like six foot seven, two hundred plus pounds, throws like a one hundred one mile per hour fastball, and again another sub two ERA. Right. Um, in something like 45, 50 appearances. I mean, like it's it's a consistent stretch. And now, yeah, he's a twenty seven year old rookie, which you, you never really are super excited about. But I mean, he's been excellent. Um, and just the whole team as a whole, even after the trade deadline, it's just there's there's a whole different energy than there has been with, within the last, you know, five, six years because they, they have sucked, right? But if you have the Mets on the list, who over the last four or five years have sucked <laughs> and then all of a sudden start becoming fun, I, I feel like it's a little bit it's a little bit personal, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you picked out a team that you could take off because a lot of these times with these lists or when you're like picking all-stars, you say, oh, this guy should be an all-star. Jorge Lopez should be an all-star. But you got to take somebody off the list. Now, Mm -hmm. I I did probably feel of all the teams that the Mets were the ones that are, you know, it's New York. Do you need to have a New York team on the list? I I, I, I feel like, and they are leading the NL East. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they're they're the one team um, over... You know, through through uh, with all all five of them, that really is. Uh, I said there's no front runners. I mean, they're kind of a front runner, but at the same time, they are sort of you know the second best team in New York. So that's why I kind of included them there. There's the whole yeah. New York thing. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I, I like how you you picked that one out. That, that was that's the smart thing by you. And I and Don't I and I, I like to say. I love Edwin Diaz. I love the trumpets. It's the it is the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah, but, and that, and that's why I included Felix Batista, the closer that you guys uh, that you mentioned there for the Baltimore Orioles. I included him along with Edwin Diaz. The top five closer entrance songs. Those two both on the list. Felix Batista now coming <laughs> in to Farmer in the Dell. Uh, Omar is coming. So I I you know there was a nod uh, for the yeah, Orioles. Yeah, I, I, I just, respected it. I just find it I find it hard. I find it hard picking putting a team on there that isn't going for it this season. As as you, we've said, 
traded their all-star closer and Trey Mancini, who, yeah, he's he's a feel-good player for the Orioles. Good story. Good story. Yeah. Can you summarize his career with the Orioles? Everything that you know he did with the Orioles and why he is such a fan favorite and why it was such a difficult trade deadline for the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because because even when you saw it right after he got traded, there was a lot of coverage, at least down here, where like he's going, he's, he's thanking everybody, he's thanking his teammates, he's thanks guys, and then he goes to the team doctors, and I'm sure everybody knows at this point, but he did go through cancer. It was the 2019 or 2020 season, somewhere in there, and um, I mean, he credits those guys with saving his life, and I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to watch, like a guy like that who's like, uh, uh, like a pinnacle of just like he's a great human being and I mean mm-hmm. uh, we have another story about a, a, a young kid named Mo who had a had had some health stuff who passed away and like they both had the same like a connection and I mean we have we have Mo Gabaday now and, and that's when he hit his inside the park home run of Mo Gabaday for his last hit and I mean it's like a storybook ending but um, it's hard because he's he's older than the, the core group of guys and he's a first baseman and one of our one of our like younger better hitters is a first baseman and when Adley Rush Adley Rushman's not catching he needs to DH and then Trey Mancini it's hard for him to have a spot mm-hmm. so but his career I mean he came up in I don't know 2016 probably something like that and I mean he just off off rip has been a, a great great hitter great teammate um which you'll hear from anybody in the entire organization great teammate and um it's, I mean, yeah, it, it's emotional to see him go because obviously he's like the last piece from like those few Orioles teams, you know, like three, four, five years ago that, you know, were, were actually had a shot at making the playoffs. So yeah. it's tough to see that whole, that whole part of the sort of regime go. But at the same time, now we've got a clean slate and I honestly don't think they're giving it up at the deadline. I mean, it, it's hard because yeah, you trade your all-star closer, you trade, you trade your franchise guy, but I think that for four they have prospects. pieces that for, uh, I actually think they got four for Jorge Lopez. So I think it's six pitchers in total, but that's semantics. I mean, it's it's uh, we need pitchers, and we don't really have a problem with relievers right now. And, and we've got Felix Bautista, who's I don't want to say he's young, but he's he's inexperienced, and and we can get him some experience under his belt. And he was you know sort of the uh, eighth inning guy, and now he can be the ninth inning guy and get those like um, high pressure situations, which is a, a great thing for a pitcher to have. And then. Um, you just open up more time in the lineup, whether that's the DH spot out of Trey Mancini or the first base spot, because we have a couple guys who play first base or DH or who need to be on the on the baseball field every single day, like Adley Rutschman. So it's hard to kind of have him in the lineup because, I mean, we see Houston. I mean, he's not really playing, but he's because he's behind Yuli Gurriel and he's not really an efficient outfielder, so he can't play out there either. And it's like, but when he does play, he's electric. So it's it's a really hard hard thing to to kind of wrap your head around for like a guy who isn't like, I watch every Orioles game. So like, I know, I know what's going on in the field, where, where guys should be, who's the future. And, and it's hard because he didn't really have a spot, but you know, what? how do you, how do you trade your, your, your star guy for a low a ball guy, but you know, it's a fresh start. So uh-huh. I think they're going to make the playoffs this season. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be an easy out. We can forget anything that happened the last couple of games with Tampa Bay. We've never been able to beat Tampa Bay in, <laughs> in the last, in the last what, 15 years. I mean, uh, but I, I think, I think they got a real shot at, at, at upsetting somebody. Yeah. At least. I, I was going to say, bring up Tampa Bay. If, if this was a list for seeing the potential for perfect games, 
then the, then the, then the Orioles got to be on this list because wow. Drew Rasmussen yesterday for the Rays, eight plus innings until his perfect game was broken up. First Jorge pitch. Jorge Mateo. Yeah, Jorge Mateo, first pitch of the ninth inning, rifled a shot uh, down the line. First pitch, broke it up. Uh, so, mm-hmm. listen, um, that would have been great. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was sort of sort of cheering against the uh, the Orioles there. You know what? I, I, I like to say that low-key, there was, there was a part of me that was like, at least I'll be able to get to see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but, but listen, um, I, I appreciate you telling me that Jorge Lopez actually traded for four players. That's good. The, the, thank, you, thank you for coming on and saying that yeah. and correcting me, Mancini, for another two prospects. But listen, that's, that's six prospects that they traded for. My list was for who you should cheer for the rest of this season. Now, the Orioles, yeah, they cleaned it up a little bit to try and open up their window for the next few years. That's what they're doing instead of just focusing on this year and tr- and tr- instead of focusing on trying to be their the best version of themselves this year, right? I mean, Jorge Lopez yeah. was having a career year. Why not keep him on the roster? Well, because they think that, you know, maybe he's not as good as he is this season. You can get a little bit more for him. Trey Mancini, as you said, a little bit older and maybe not a, a perfect spot for him. Yeah. But... I'm not. I didn't make a list for who you should cheer for in 2023 <laughs> and 2024, and who's got a great, who's setting themselves up well for the next few years. Well, the Orioles could make that list. I was a little confused uh, by the Brett Phillips move. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that has left a lot of people very puzzled. Um, but with what we gave up for him, I mean, what was the cash considerations? I don't think it was anything else. And, I mean, we have a lot of guys in the roster who are very specifically good at one thing. Brett Phillips is a great defender. Can't hit for the life of him, but um, he's a great defender. We have a guy like Ryan McKenna who's a, pretty much exclusively a, a, a backup outfielder and a, and a, a pinch runner. So that's just sort of the way that the team kind of operates, that they'd like to have a few guys on the roster, on at least the active roster, who are, like, specialists. Like, oh, yeah, we need – it's the ninth inning. We're not going to come up to bat. We need a – a uh, guy who's not going to mess up, not going to make a, uh, a folly in the field. So <laughs> That's a great word, folly. Uh, folly <laughs> in the field. You know who wasn't making a folly in the field this week? I'm going to go back to the Braves because I, I was pumped to, to watch fun. them. Uh, Vaughn Grissom wasn't making a folly in the field. He was a shortstop, comes up, he's playing <laughs> second base. And, and we like the, you know, the weird, quirky things on no bunts. To see him practicing on – uh, pre-game in Fenway Park with Ron Washington, <laughs> who is uh, the master of the infield defense. Everybody comes to Ron Washington and asks him how he can get better. Well, Von Gerson was on his knees and and just taking uh, little shots from Ron Washington. First, you know, backhanding balls, and then he put on like this frying pan on his on his hand uh, to be able to you know to basically transfer it to his hand really quickly and then he was backhanding and, and using his footwork so you know weird stuff here from Von Grissom uh, great stuff uh, everybody again uh, comes to Ron Washington P- apparently people were coming to him at the All-Star game and saying how do we get better defensively teach me something teach me something oh wise master so uh, you know seeing seeing that, uh, that that's right up my alley for the Braves so I loved yeah. seeing that and then he turned around and had a second homer this weekend, uh, Sunday uh, with the, against the Marlins. Yeah, it is the Marlins. They end up sweeping the Marlins. But uh, he had incredible couple at-bats in the seventh inning and the ninth inning where he fought back 
from a 1-2 count to take a walk, and then he had an 11-pitch at-bat in the ninth to walk. I mean, the real deal, just to get excited about young players, along with Michael Harris the second, who had uh, a couple big dingers himself this weekend, two of the youngest players uh, in Major League Baseball, and Alex Anthopoulos always plays his young guys more than any other general manager in the league. He brings up the young guys, so they run the bases. I'm excited for the Braves, and just to, you know, to, to go down the list, the Jays, it's a homer pick. There's, there's no doubt I'm putting them on the list. Uh, the Padres, the Padres, just because they haven't accomplished a lot, and the Mets, as you said, that's that's the, that's a really good one to point out. That's probably the one I I hummed and hawed a bit uh, with for a long time. But you put the Mets on the list, you're cheering against the Yankees, so that's why they're really included. You know, you're an Orioles fan, you understand that. And then the Mariners, since they haven't been in the playoffs since 2001, 2000 freaking one. Uh, so I, I had to uh, to include them there. Uh, but listen, I'm I'm not mad uh, with the Orioles situation. I, I appreciate you coming on with the, with all the Orioles garb, um, and and you really think that they could uh, jump a team that they lost to yesterday, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, or you know the Mariners or the Blue Jays, and be a wild card spot this this coming uh, fall. I, I do, and 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 I say that now that we don't have to play the Rays anymore, it's going to be a lot easier. <laughs> but. Um, no, I mean we've we've uh, we've showed like way better plate discipline like across the whole board. I mean Jorge Mateo is a guy like you say you like you like defense and 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 and, and good defensive plays. Well, that guy that guy could play some defense. I think he should win the Gold Glove. And I mean if he learns how to hit hit a curveball, I mean I think he's probably the best shortstop in the entire division. I mean it, it's it and that's that's really hard to quantify because like the defense outweighs the offense way by by like a lot. And I mean he's batting two thirty on the season, but. He catches a fastball, he'll rip it into an upper deck uh, home run. And and guys like Adley Rutschman, I mean, as soon as he was called up, and I mean, enough's been said about Adley Rutschman, but as soon as he's called up, I mean, he doesn't swing at balls at all. I mean, you'll, you'll very rarely see it. And if he does swing, it's a strike. Um, crazy on base percentage um, all the way down the line. You got a couple guys like Ryan Mountcastle who hasn't been hitting as many homers as he did last season, but I think maybe the new wall plays into that a lot. And the... But even their their everybody's uh, on base percentage is is improved. Maybe not statistically, but you just see the guys have way better discipline. Pitchers across the board have been better. Pitchers last year were terrible, and now they're we got a we've got several relievers with sub sub two ERAs and and a lot of starters. I mean, Jordan Lyles has you know a four point five ERA something like that, but he's leading the entire baseball in, in starts. Um, a couple of guys who are going to be there every night, and and it's just it's an ele- it's an electric it's an electric team. When you actually, I mean, I, I I've been to you know what twenty games this season or something like that, but um, because I, I'm I'm all in because this is the first <laughs> time it, it seemed like we've had a chance in the last four or five years, and um, the whole the whole organization has a different feel, and I know I've said that a bunch of times, but um, it's it's almost like they can taste it and anytime they get ahead they don't want to relinquish shit i mean we saw it the first game we played against tampa bay we won 10 to 3 and i mean they were they were full swinging it when they brought yu chang who's the second baseman i think he's second baseman out to pitch for the bottom of the ninth because we were up nine to three and they were full swinging they just want to they want to bring the score up they want to show people that they're not messing around anymore i mean they're they're not an easy out and i mean playing in the hardest division in baseball it's it's tough i mean i think that if we're you know over there playing Cincinnati uh, 19 times a year, we might have a we might have a, a 
we're going to lead the league in record uh-huh. because that's that's how it feels when you got to play the Yankees, you got to play Toronto, and I mean those are those are good teams. And I mean I know against rooting against the Yankees. I mean we've had a couple crazy games against them too. I mean there was a game where Aaron Judge hit two home runs. I think John Carlos Stanton had one, and we only lost by one one run. So I mean they're competitive in the AL East, which is incredibly hard to do. And I think that they can leapfrog. I think they can leapfrog Tampa Bay, and I, I think they can catch Toronto. Hey, it will be uh, even tougher the next couple of years in the AL East. Uh, as you mentioned, the Orioles are only getting better. Uh, obviously, the Yanks, the Jays, the Rays are always uh, playing well. It is it is the toughest division in baseball. It is ridiculously tough. So it's going to be fun to watch games uh, throughout the division. As you said, uh, you've been to Camden Yards 20 times. I'm interested about the new wall. Tell me about the new wall that they put up in, in Camden Yards. It's It's divisive. But I love it. I mean, it's it 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 isn't really as I know it wasn't symmetrical before. But you got in Camden Yards and in, in, in right field you have the the scoreboard which goes up uh, twenty three feet or something like that. But it's short. I mean, it's was well, short three hundred fifty feet. It's no it's no pesky pole, but it's it's pretty it's it's pretty it's pretty short. Um, and have the other side now being so deep. I mean, it's 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 fun. I mean, I. I we, went to go see the Yankees and I mean I watched Aaron Judge crush one way over the bullpens and I mean that's the shot now that everybody's aiming for is those like center left bullpens and um, it's it's just I think it's I mean it's way bigger in person and I mean I know it looks big on TV but I mean it's like it, it doesn't feel quite like the green monster but it's 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 notoriously hard to hit over now and I think um we benefit that for the most because, I mean, like our star guy, Cedric Mullins, who I think as of now is our star. I think Adley Rutschman's catching up to him. But last year he had 30-something home runs. I think it might have been 30 on the dot, but he hit everyone to right field. And now we've got guys who, like, even Trey Mancini was a little bit upset at the beginning of the season. I mean, you can, you can go back and hear some interviews. He was not happy. But they just started hitting it over it. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's really incredible to watch somebody hit it over a wall that far. I mean, it's it's – and I mean, you see it in Boston. I mean, they, you have to hit it up real high, but I mean, it's incredible just to see a line drive go right over that fence, and it's it's wild. Very cool. I like how you uh, describe them as electric. That gets me excited for Baltimore Orioles, uh, their team in the future for young players, just like I am about the Braves, just to, to bring it back to them. You mentioned the, the home runs uh, in, in Fenway Park, obviously Von Grissom. Uh, he brought in Michael Harris the second before him. Bo- Michael Harris the second had an incredible weekend himself. He's a rookie of the year uh, candidate in the National League. He is so good. And they're having so much fun. And it's perfect, no bunts material here because Michael Harris the second was uh, hazed after the game on uh, Sunday. Uh, this was his post game interview. It's a real super trooper situation. Listen for the meows. I was looking for a great pitch to hit, and I got it. And I mean, I was just trying to do anything I could to get on base to help us get a win. And um, I mean, I came up to the spot and did what I did. And I mean, I really blacked out. And I mean, it was a it was an unmatched moment, meow. Um, I mean, I'm just glad we got the win, and it was it was just it was surreal. Yeah, we just uh, uh, squeezed one meow in there. Uh, we didn't we didn't cut them all together, but he did a he he did a good job. It, it was a real uh, no dunks, no bunts, the basketball Jones moment because we did that a long time ago, right, Jaddy? We we 
Yeah, we had Brent uh, Brett Barry on the on the call in summer league. Where am I? Yeah, here I am. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what did we have him say? Like a whole bunch of stuff. Whole- Meow was definitely one of them. I yeah. think. I was also thinking when we prank called somebody. I mean, that was totally oh, different. Yeah. There was yeah. some meows there, but yeah, Brent <laughs> Barry. Brent Barry actually on the call. I had totally forgotten about yeah. Brent Barry. We gave him a list of things to do. Yeah, uh, and meowing was one of them. So, uh, just wanted to squeeze that in there. I didn't think I'd be uh, as big of a brave supporter as I am now. But, uh, yeah, to see the young guys in there and up and down the roster, the defense had Matt Olson, uh, first baseman, running away from the infield and uh, catching a ball over his shoulder this week. I, I didn't know he was a two-time gold glover, but he is damn good. Legit. So many guys that are good. But uh, I am looking forward to some Baltimore Orioles baseball, Brady, because he got me – you got me interested. I want to thank you for coming on. Any any last words uh, before you go? I'm gonna put it out there. This is this is my hottest take. I'm thinking within the next three within the next three or four years is a World Series coming coming back to Baltimore. May not win it, but it's definitely coming back to Baltimore. <laughs> All within right, the next three or four years. I like it. Not sizzling hot. Not saying they are gonna be world champions, but at least. Oh, they're, they're 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 coming. They're coming. All right, I appreciate it. It's tough. It's a tough AL East. I'll be uh, I'll be watching. Really appreciate you coming on, Brady. No problem. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. All right, stay tuned. We've got a very uh, inconsequential poll to update you on after the break. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whoa, Mac is back. You ever wish you could have it both ways? I do. Like a zero calorie cheeseburger or staying up late, but not feeling exhausted in the morning. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But you can have it both ways with Mac Weldon. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I've got some polos, some tees, some undies, and I love them. Simple, soft, stylish. In fact, I'm wearing Mack Weldon right now. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. If you told me my silver PK polo was made from 100% cotton, I would 100% believe you. But those antimicrobial silver threads keep me feeling fresher longer. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code NODUNKS. 
That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code NODUNKS. Welcome back to No Bunts. Unfortunately, we didn't do this live this week because we had to line up a couple interviews and all that TV production stuff. So I missed the fan engagement of doing this show live with the bleacher creatures. And to satiate that desire, I uh, put a poll up on Twitter asking about video reviews. Because I watched a lot of baseball this weekend. And in baseball, when a manager calls for a video review, he puts his hands over his ears. He cups his hands uh, like he's uh, pretending like he doesn't want to hear something. Basically, he's putting on the, He's asking the umpire to put on the headset. While in basketball, we see the sort of the figure round and round, the circle, the wagons, the home run, uh, <laughs> which is obviously ironic here. Now, we put it up on the No Dunks Twitter account. A lot of basketball fans out there, and I say that because the basketball fans destroyed the baseball fans. Mm. Basically 90-10 here, uh, 88.8 to 11.3. That doesn't add up, but that's what it says here on the poll. <laughs> uh, the finger round and round, one out. Now, watching baseball this weekend, I, I kind of enjoy the, the hands over the ears. Maybe it's because I know what's coming. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just there's just one signal. Right. The cans. The cans. I like the I like the cans. Yeah. Let's put on the cans. Yeah. This is I don't know. The finger round yeah, and round. I don't like that. Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean well, let's I guess it's like let's roll it back, maybe. Yeah. But sure. I you roll it back, yeah, I guess that's what it is. I guess. But yeah. it could literally mean anything. <laughs> like gather around guys, you know. Yeah. Or whatever. Like uh, wrap it up. Let's go. You know, something like that, but and maybe because it's—I don't like it because it's—it brings back trauma for me. Um, <laughs> having to watch the referees watch the video screen in the NBA, while in baseball, it's just the umpire yeah. puts on the cans yes. and gets told from wherever they're making this decision in some room somewhere. This is how it's going, done and done. So we don't have to see, even even though it, you know it takes a while. That's, that's sort of the beauty of baseball because be, uh, baseball takes a while as it is. Yeah, the video review doesn't really feel all that out, out of place. We're watching. We're at least we're when we're watching the video replay of, of the call. We're watching action in baseball. <laughs> and, that's true. <laughs> and it, it literally is. I know it's it happened already, <laughs> but it is a form of action instead of just pitch, 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 pitch. Hey, listen. It looks like it sounds like I'm ridiculing baseball, but uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed it this weekend. I also enjoyed that it's always just the manager that has to call for it. Like we're all waiting for the one person to do that one symbol, one signal that is universally known. Unlike basketball, where it's like player does this and play. I know players sort of do it in baseball, but they're they're all kind of. We all know what's coming. I don't know. It's just a little bit more streamlined. No, yeah, I get in it. baseball. Yeah, you, one person. Is mm-hmm. that one person? And, yeah. and again, it's umpires don't look at a screen. So, yeah, I'm kind of talking about the whole video review process uh, in totality. But uh, they kind of have it down in baseball. Yeah. Um, even though they need robo umps, that's a problem. But uh, I'm surprised <laughs> with the poll results here. I think if we did this live and the bleacher creatures were chiming in, uh, we would have got a lot more. Yeah. Hands over ears. It's, it's ultimately we are tweeting this from a basketball show's Twitter account. <laughs> yes, of course. They just see the basketball emoji and they're like, <laughs> "I vote for that one." Yeah, they may have not even ever seen a baseball game. 
to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I read that, I've actually never seen the cans. Yeah. In fact, I thought it was like, like this, when you said hands over ears like this. Like, like I'm listening? Like like uh, Dumbo ears, you know? Or yeah, like let's listen in. And Oh. I, don't, I didn't know. <laughs> I've never seen it before. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's put it on and have a look. Uh, the Dumbo ears, that's funny. Uh, yeah, you're doing like a bit of the the Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> yeah, like. Give it to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Very funny. All right. All right. Good stuff. Um, Speaking of basketball, we will have a basketball show this week. First time in a long time. Woo! Couple shows on Tuesday. There will be a no dunks talking about the KD saga, a Christmas Day schedule, some uniforms. There will also be a no breaks where we discuss Driven, the movie. Starring Sylvester Stallone. Uh, I'm going to join Trey and Gigi and Graydon uh, to discuss that. There will be an Is This Good, which is dropping Wednesday with Matty O instead of Thursday. So a packed four days here. Monday, a couple shows Tuesday, and then Is This Good on Wednesday. Still bringing you the heat. No baseball pun intended. (laughs) Uh, But for now, we shall go. Hope you enjoyed No Buns today. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, ringworm is not pinworms. Don't Google that. Much like Evan Fournier, (laughs) do not Google that. We'll see you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.